Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Brett. Wow. <laughs> you said that with such enthusiasm. Wow. The enthusiasm is hidden under. It's, it's internal, always right? there. It, it is just, it is there at it, all times. It doesn't always show itself, but we know it's there. It's humble. Humble and reserved, like its owner. So, Brett, I have a question for you. I attended a funeral this week. Mm. And a friend of mine's father was, you know, very nice event. Some beautiful words were spoken. And so my question to you is, at your funeral, which I'm sure is going to be wow. far, far off in the future, well, at least. He says that was such. At least 60 years from now. Lee with like looking like the cat. What, what <laughs> is the most important thing you want people to say or think about you? What, Bes- and, besides yeah. that I was partners with Jeff Bast. Well, I mean, that would be. Yeah. That'll be on the. Yeah, I mean, banner. That, that's first and foremost. Boy, I would say that he always did the right thing, that he loved and cared for his family, that he was respected in what he did, and he cared. I like it. And always tried his best. And I think all those things will be true. I think you not that we're not going to have your funeral anytime soon, but you've been talking I, to Lauren. I think we've already, uh, we would all say <laughs> those things. Sleep with one eye open. Hey, anyway. so can I ask you that question though? I know <clears throat> we're keeping our guest waiting and she's nodding off a little bit, but can I ask you that question? I would say <laughs> similar. I would say that he genuinely cared about this planet and its occupants. Obviously, the family stuff, you know, my family is my most important thing. Right. Most important to me, I was a family man, but I genuinely tried to make this world a better place and try to have a positive impact. I think that so, would be true as right. of today. Our guest today is also about positive impacts. Our guest is Kimberly Calvi. Kimberly is the owner of Boston Edits LLC, and that is a company which helps clients express their unique identity and purpose through the written word. Kim helps her clients to amplify their why with a consistent use of their own original voice in their written content. With more than 25 years of experience, Kim has channeled her writing skills into diverse B2B professions such as law firms and legal publishing, IT, investment, wealth management, and others. This exposure has equipped her with a broad and adaptable understanding of industry-specific language, which a lot of writers don't have. That encompasses idioms, nuance, terms of art, and abbreviations. Her company, Boston Edits, offers a range of services, including blog writing, website content creation, documentation, editing, and PR and marketing collateral development across various social media platforms. And they excel in optimizing Google business profile to enhance search engine optimization and increase their clients' visibility. And Kim also offers services like nonfiction editing for self-publishing. I know Brett's working on a book, so self-publishing and social media management. Welcome, Kim. Welcome, Kim. Thank you very much, Jeff and Brett, for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here today. And thank you for such a nice introduction. Do you prefer Kim or Kimberly? Kim is good. Okay. Kim is good. You earned it. And a, a lot of people say, wow, is that me? Well, that really sounded good. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. It's like, who is that person? No, that's, you know, like, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we look at our body of work, our history, and it's, we wonder how we got here. And uh, it's like, wow, that really is me. That is what I offer. That's, uh, 
How did you get here? Were you that student who got an A in the sentence graphing or whatever? What would he call it when you do in, in elementary school when you're <laughs> graphing out a sentence? How did you get to this point? How did you end up here? Yeah, well, I'm sure that that's true, although I don't actually remember that. However, what I do remember is when I was in junior high and high school, my classmates sometimes, you know, before we had to pass in our essays for whatever homework assignment was like, well, Kim, can you just take a quick look at it? <laughs> um, yeah, so I do remember that. Did you charge and them? I, no, and I should have. Well, I should have. You but, could have said um, your business but, started then. <laughs> well, I know, right? I know. Well, I guess the joke's on me. But I do remember when in high school, though, a couple of people asked me, like, for our midterm, we, were, we had to, I think we had, I think it was a separate piece by John Knowles. And we had to, that was part of our exam or something. And somebody came up to me and they were like, I really don't understand this book. You know, you're going to have to explain it to me. I'm like, we're walking to class for the exam. And she's like, just, yeah. she's like, give me the cliff notes. And obviously this was the days before the internet where, you know, now students have cell phones, they can Google it right then and there, right? But this was back in the day, we didn't have that sort of thing. And I hesitated. I thought, well, you know, I could really give her the wrong answer. <laughs> I love that you thought. And I almost, well, I gave her a very broad view of the story. I wasn't going to give her exactly what I suspected was going to be on the exam. So, you know, I don't know what she got for a grade, but I knew she wasn't going to get a better grade than, than I was going to get because I actually read the book. Mm, so, that anyhow. helps. That's a good start. Do you call yourself a writer, an editor? Like if you had to give one word for what you do. Right. I say to people that at my core, I am a writer. I mean, I really okay. do love to write. Wherever I go, I can't help but copy edit. I mean, I'll see something on a sign. And on a, on a menu, on a brochure. And it's not even necessarily things that are misspelled. Sometimes it's just the inconsistent format, right? Like you see like a trifold brochure and maybe they're using hyphens and then they're using asterisks. And some of the sentences have periods at the end and some don't. That's the sort of thing that drives me up the wall. So that's copy editing. That's proofreading. Yeah, I mean, do you, man, How does do you? it drive? Does, do you, can you turn it off? I mean, we <laughs> asked, we had an architect in here and we asked him the same question when he walks into a home or a building. Can you turn that off? No. Oh, <laughs> God, is that maddening at some point or that's just sort of who you are? And Yeah, I mean, it's who I am because I love to write. I love to read. Even when I was little, I mean, I was an only child for many years. So reading was my favorite thing to do, which made it easier on my parents, I suppose, right? And just getting into school and then taking creative writing classes in the public school system, you know, everybody else hated that or a lot of people hated that, but I enjoyed it. Um, and then, like I mentioned, you know, classmates would rely on me to help them out. I always enjoyed it and I can't shut it off. And when something is super glaring, a real glaring mistake, like a misspelling or like even cognitive things, like I see now where you can tell somebody they use spell check, but they didn't realize that maybe there are two words back to back that are the same, uh -huh. you know, but one, one's on one line and the one's following the follows on the line below it. It's that sort of thing. Those are the sorts of things that jump out at me that drive me crazy. I will give you, you'll enjoy this example. A few years ago, I was in a networking group and a gentleman was really proud that he had worked on a trifold brochure to talk about his business. And I'm not going to say what type of business it was, but it was a trades business and you know, valuable, right? Every homeowner would need his service. And he was talking about, I had said to him, let me back up. I had said to him, well, before you go to have it printed, please let me see it. I'd be happy to proofread it for you. And no, no, I don't want to spend the money. I'm sure I'll do just fine. Okay, fine. Have it your way. <laughs> well, so he went to this networking meeting and he passed out his brochure to all of us. And of course, going back to glaring mistakes and flipping through it. And on the third panel on the back, it said something about, it meant to say shift, but the F was missing from the word. Oh, ouch. Oh, yep. Man. 
That's a tough one. I remember on this topic, sorry. It's a crappy mistake. When I went to school in New York and there was a restaurant in our neighborhood. What's that? You just glossed right over that. I think it's a great story. I'm I'm going to, what's that? You just glossed over my Oh, your joke? Wait, say it again. So it was a crappy mistake. Oh, it was a crappy mistake. That is a good one. We need to get one of those. It was a dad joke. We need need some sound effects in here. I agree. You need rim shots. Rim shots. There you go. That is a good, that's a good dad joke. Jeff needs a rim shot. Go ahead. Anyway, there was a restaurant in our neighborhood that had non-dairy food, and they had a neon sign, oh, no. and it said "non-diary." The neon <laughs> sign that was uh, yeah. misspelled, and I thought, "Oh, this is." Uh, that I would, think, uh, Kim. I think living in Miami with a lot of people who come here, right, and they immigrate here, and they come from other countries, and English is a second language. You would have a field day when you drove around town <laughs> with all the signs that have mistakes in them. I mean, it right. would drive you. You would get into car accidents. It would. It would be a problem for you. For sure. I see it and it bothers me, but I certainly don't have the expertise and the abilities that you have. So, so steering back to the origin story, how did you turn this into a business, your editing and writing skill? I know, right? So yes, to get back to your original question. So my first big girl job, I worked for an IT consultancy and it was just myself and I was in my mid twenties and every other person in my department was a man, you know, I worked with 12 men. And at the time, and this was 25 years ago, several of them were in their 50s and they taught me everything. Everything from there's no crying at work. If you're having a bad day, go be by yourself for a few minutes. But, you know, this is that's, this is not what we're here for. Oh, I like that guy. And they just put a lot of faith in me and I learned a lot from them. I mean, they didn't hold back on what I needed to know in terms of being part of a team, absorbing everything that they had to teach me. And I do count myself very lucky for that. Um, They grew me for that. And so one of the things that I was tasked with was publishing the weekly newsletter for the company. And my boss just created that type of a responsibility and gave it to me. And so that was what I did. And one of the other things that I had to do is I helped co-author a 120-page report on the Y2... The Y2K influence of the Japanese banking industry. And I mean, I had to do a lot of research on that. And so I obviously had to kind of copyright and edit my own sentences and learn how to convey that type of technical writing in a way that was readable and understandable. So that was good training. And then just every other opportunity that I had until I opened up my own shop was either in legal publishing or in marketing. I worked for a company that produced greeting cards and I was very lucky to work with the one editor there and she was inundated with work. I expressed an interest in helping her out. And so I learned a lot from her. And she, at the time, until her husband died not that long ago, he was a published author. She was his editor. She's a tough editor. So I learned from her. So I've been very lucky. I mean, started off in IT. I worked in consumer products, like I said, legal publishing. And then I worked in the legal publishing department for Fidelity for a little while. So I've had really good exposure to different top level industries, if you will, and learning those industry languages and in even the internal style guides because every publishing house has its own style guide. Like they might use Associated Press or they might use the Chicago Manual of Style. I'm familiar with both, but every publishing house has its own style guide, like everything from the way they want the fonts to look to certain language that they use or not. Before I opened up my own company, I worked for a legal nonprofit editing law books, consumer law books. That was an incredible experience because... I mean, just the footnotes sometimes went on for two or three pages, you know, and then the writing is teeny tiny. So you you really learn to, like you said, you know, you don't want to miss any of that detail. You learn to really see mm-hmm. what's going to jump out on a page, you know, that sort of that level of detail. 
but also the content, what I'm looking at, having a real appreciation for the industry that I was, you know, whatever industry I was working in and what the language is, that industry language, and just letting it become a part of my daily lexicon and what I was doing for that company, whatever company it was, whatever respective company. So it's been, it's been a lot, 25 years, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah, super interesting. I mean, and the sort of the evolution of it, right? Mm-hmm. Working for an IT and then just sort of getting into going back to what your expertise was when you were younger and how it just sort of has gravitated throughout your career. Tell us what mm-hmm. led to you finally saying, okay, I'm sort of done. I'm at the point to stop working for others and start working for myself. And who are your clients? Who should be calling you? Who should be reaching out to you? Yeah. Okay. So I've been freelancing like on the side since 2003. So 20 years. Boston Edits will be five years old this coming January. So happy about that. So between freelancing on the side and opening up Boston Edits a few years ago, like I said, I had those experiences working in those different industries. And I don't know if this is like the best example to give, but what made me say, okay, this is it. I can do this on my own was uh, number one, I started getting busy and I was just like, okay, this is overtaking my daily job. But the other thing was, this is what I hesitate to mention, but you get up there in years and other people join the workforce. And I have to say, I really didn't like having a boss (laughs) that, you know, I was drinking legally when she was born. And it was just like, I have a real hard time taking orders from somebody who who does not have as much you know, work experience as I do. You know, I mean, I get it. She's you know, she's doing her job, right? She's reading from the corporate handbook and drinking the Kool-Aid and so forth. But the reality is, if somebody like myself has more to offer to say, well, well, you know, I'm the manager, you'll do what I say. The way things are now in society, I can't imagine any boss really saying that to a, a direct report and expecting that that's good enough. Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong, but I just, and that just bristled with me. I, and I never thought I'd be like that. You're right. I yeah. mean, I, I like to think of myself as open-minded and, you know, what everybody brings to the tables is a specific gift and let's all work together to create something great. I don't know. I guess I just didn't like being uh, browbeaten by someone that much younger than myself. So yeah, I mean, maybe, that's, maybe I'm expecting a character flaw it, of myself. But. No, I think in your defense, I mean, you're saying that the person was younger, but it sounds like it might've been really the person's approach more so than the age. Probably. I suppose it's a good way to look at it, but that's what did it. And it was just like, you know what? I don't really need this because I'm, I'm getting busy on my own. And yeah, there's going to be some ramp up time where I'm really going to have to get out there and market and look for new clients. And that's fine. I'm happy to do it because I felt ready. You know, it, right. we all know, right? Timing is everything. So I haven't looked back. You know, somebody asked me a couple of years ago, well, if you got a call from a major publishing house to be, you know, the senior editor, would you go for it? Um, probably not. Probably not. In fact, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. Right. So, who are your ideal yeah, clients? Who are the people that should be calling yeah. you to hire you? Right. And when? How do they know? Yeah, how do they how know does somebody when, right? know when they, they need you? Yeah. Or that error on the placard right. that you or mentioned maybe, earlier. Or maybe it's not. Maybe right. it's after. Yeah. <laughs> right. So who should be calling me? Okay. Forward-thinking, self-aware people. How about that? Nice. How's that for a short Kim Calvin answer? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I like working with B2B clients, people who... They know that they're good at what they do, right? They're subject matter experts in whatever it is that they're doing, whether they're wealth management advisors or they are attorneys of one stripe or another, for example. Anybody who's a consultant who they know that they're good at how they consult. A very good example is I work with somebody who he works with attorneys to help them run their businesses, right? The things that lawyers aren't necessarily taught in law school. Because some lawyers are, well, most lawyers are very good lawyers, but they might not be the best at running their business, right? So I work with this gentleman and you know, just to kind of get his messaging out. 
So he's a good example of someone who he knows he wants to get more clients, but how could he get his branding out so that it would resonate with the type of clients that he wants? So those are the type of people that come to me. They're like, look, I know that I'm good at what I do, but I need to be able to relay it in print and verbally in a way that gets the attention of my intended audience. Because we all get embroiled in our own kind of lexicon, right? In our own industry jargon, if you will. Like if I start talking about dangling participles, everybody, in the, you know, every, yeah, exactly. Your eyes are going to glaze over and you're like, okay, she lost me. But if I start to give a context, then it's going to make a little bit more sense. So my clients are forward thinking people who come to me, and they're just like, look, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not good at what you do. And I need to, I want to get more clients. I want to get better clients. I want more visibility on my social media platforms that I use, whatever, whether it's just their website or their website and their LinkedIn profile and whatever other social media platforms they use. And they want to make sure that their messaging is consistent on all those social media platforms. Yeah. So that's who comes to me. So do you come up with the content or help them come up with the content or are you editing what they provide to you or both? Both. It depends. Okay. It depends. Yeah. I mean, I've got clients that, here's a good example, a divorce attorney whom I work with. He had a really nice website, beautiful website. I didn't put it together. I saw no need to make any improvements, but I looked at the content and I think he wrote some of the content. Well, that's not true. I think that the person who worked with him before wrote the content based on a conversation she had with him and she had control of the website. And so she just published it. And I looked at it and there were misspellings, you know, and he's a top flight attorney. And, you know, this is even before he and I collaborated, but just to kind of give him a thumbnail sketch of what I could do for him. I just said, look, I, I looked at your website and I understand the message you're trying to convey. But there are a couple of words here that are consistently misspelled. That doesn't help your brand. That doesn't help. That really dulls the polish of your image. So let's correct that. So sometimes that's how it comes to me. And then other times, like right now, I'm working on somebody's content for their website, brand new website. This other attorney, another attorney example, Hmm. she left the company she was at. She's starting out on her own. So she needs content for her brand new website. So I'm right working on writing that for her. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to ask you if you, as part of your sales pitch, if you review people's material and say, hey, look, you published this on LinkedIn or on your website and look at all these errors that I found. And I was going to say one Mm -hmm. other thing about that person, the divorce attorney, at least you said the spelling mistakes, at least they were consistently wrong. So you always want it to be consistent, you know, right? They were consistently wrong. So I I do have a question for you. With the advent of social media and the informalization of written communication, is it acceptable to end a sentence with a preposition now? Is it finally acceptable? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, we have to go back to languages. We all started speaking before we all started writing. So yes, there are rules of grammar. And so ending a sentence with a preposition has traditionally been a no-no. However, sometimes if we were to speak the way it's intended, where we do not end a sentence that way, it sounds ridiculous. So language being flexible, you adapt. And right. you know, maybe perhaps in writing a, a legal brief, you'd stick with those traditions, right? Those ling- linguistic traditions of writing correctly. But speaking, we don't speak like that. Agreed. Yeah, that's, just, yeah. that's not how we all talk. Gotcha. And I, I mm-hmm. guess it suppose it depends on the context. If you're writing a legal brief, you're going to write formally. If you're writing, mm-hmm. you know, an email to somebody, depending on who it is, it might be, it'll be less formal. Well, that's the other thing too. Who are you having the conversation with, right? I mean, if I were to talk to my parents or my significant other or my best friend, I'm certainly not going to be that concerned about their grammar. I, although I will say, <laughs> the, the things that really drive me up the wall 
was when somebody doesn't know the difference between they're there and there or oh, you're oh, and your. Yeah. You're and your. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're and your. Yes. Uh, yeah. Ugh, yeah. That's the worst. It's like, yeah. seriously, I mean, this is third grade. Come on. Like, that should be so ingrained in people. And even spell check picks up on it. So, I mean, even if you do a cursory, you're sending something to somebody, an email or you know, a quick word document or whatever it is, or even a text message, right? That usually picks up on it. So, which... I think it's good and bad because it can allow people to hang on to their bad habits if they haven't mm. learned the difference yet. But the sorts of things that really drive me crazy, so, actually. So speaking, speaking of bad habits, I mean, my youngest is in eighth grade. And when we went to back to school night, the English teacher said to us, when you communicate with your children via text, please make them respond to you in full sentences and please send them full sentences because... Mm. The schools, the teachers are battling, right? And teach, trying to teach them because now, as we all do, you right. just mentioned it in text, if they communicate by Snap or Instagram or however they communicate, it's very short form, very informal. And when mm-hmm. they start to write and learn, they just don't know because they don't communicate that habit. way. Yeah, it's that's become, what the habit become, yeah. right? The habit they've just becomes their practice. And so for the younger generation now, it's, it's a battle to get mm-hmm. them to write, speak formally. Yeah. I mean, with technology, technology has a lot of shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to saving time for tasks, okay, I understand that. That makes sense, right? That's why we have technology in the first place to make our lives easier. But easy doesn't have to be sloppy. Excellent. Point. So Excellent. I agree with that teacher. Yeah. Sure. I mean, communication is important. Um, sure. I mean, I've seen people have sent me resumes. <laughs> I mean, I don't do too much of that anymore, but people will send me resumes. Yeah. You know, can you proofread my resume? And I'll look at it and I'm like, who did this? I'm like, I did. And I'm like, really? You know, it's like, okay, glad you sent it to me before you sent it to somebody to whom you'd like a response from regarding a job opportunity, because this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I'm in the same token or same vein. What do you think of emojis? Because I, I think emojis were exclusively a text thing. And I was always, I was maybe the last human on the planet to start using emojis, even though my family, they're all experts at it. But now I'm starting mm-hmm. to see them creep into emails and other forms of communication. And I think in some respects they are, they can be useful when you're, especially if you're making a joke and you throw in a smiley face or whatever it is. But I'm curious what a writer thinks of uh, the use of emojis. Time and place, right? I mean, I agree. If, if somebody sends you a text, I'm running five minutes late. I hope that's okay. You know, if I'm in a hurry, I'm not going to write this long drawn out sentence. I'll just reply back with a thumbs up emoji. That's fine. Right. Um, no, I would not put that in a contract <laughs> or put that in somebody's website content. Yeah, I mean, time and place. But as far as you saying... Jeff, you know, that you were the last person to start using emojis. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe that, that's a tough one because I might be the last one. One, right, um, one mean, of them. I was, took me for, yeah, well, it took me for to join, you know, to sign up with Facebook. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I like a nice, timely placed emoji. Right. Agreed. In, in the Agreed. proper setting, right? I mean, right. we're not going to do it in the yeah. business context. We're certainly not going to include it in a, in a document that's going to be filed with the court right. or sent to opposing counsel. Right. But when communicating with friends and family, and it I think does, it's fine. It but. does help convey tone, sure, in sure. you know written communication and text. And, and, and I will tell you, as I'm sure you guys experienced, I get laughed at all the time by oh. my kids, like for the sending the wrong emoji. They're so or, good. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Off. Yeah. Well, 
That's a, I have a funny story about that. First of all, let me just say some emojis are cute. Like I like the one that looks like you know, like the, the the smiley face that's all green. You know, like you're sick to your stomach. Uh-huh. Like yeah, I, sure. I, I've used that one quite a bit actually. That's I, that might be one of my favorites. But as far as um, like abbreviations, like in a text, mm-hmm. right? This is going back a long a ways. A friend's mother, she has an interior decorating business, and she would write to a, one of her clients. WTF, thinking it meant, what's this for? I know. That is phenomenal. And she explained that to me and I laughed at her. And I said, well, I said, it could mean what's this for, but everybody else on the planet thinks it means what it means. Mm -hmm. And she was mortified. She's like, I've been sending this to a client of mine who keeps sending me these pictures of fabric samples. Like, like, what's this for? Is this for your drapes? Is this for your couch? Like, that's what she, but she instead she's writing WTF. That's funny. That's a great so the so, well the language lesson there is yeah. you know whether it's writing a full sentence or using an emoji or an abbreviation really make sure you know what you're writing right. yeah. yeah sometimes you'll have a you'll see written product from an attorney or somebody you know working with you and you'll say what does this mean and they're like not really sure and so the rule I always tell my kids don't use yeah. a word or a phrase or an abbreviation if you don't know what it means. If, if you're you not don't sure, know, don't use, don't it. use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. On this topic of technology, we're curious mm-hmm. about uh, oh, here you know, comes. AI. Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah, AI. Hey, there it is. So many people may not know what that is. No, I'm kidding. AI. What I mean is this is AI Alan the Iverson. end of your business? I mean, the answer, Alan, Alan Iverson, Iverson. Right. No. Artificial yeah. intelligence. Yes. How's that impact? Artificial you? intelligence. Yeah. Well, all right. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, all right. Now, my tagline for my company for Boston Edits is your voice heard through the written word. So what I offer is never going to go out of style for my clients because my clients, they are forward thinking people who professionals who do want to make sure that they differentiate themselves by the written word, by how they brand, how they express themselves out there on social media, right? On their website, their LinkedIn profile, their Google business profile, you know, if they have a Facebook page or if they use Instagram, whatever it is. So the content that I write, it isn't just content. I mean, there's a bit of branding strategy that comes along with that. And the short answer is with artificial intelligence, right? With these large language models, they're basically just taking, you use chat GPT or whichever large language model and you put in what you're looking for, and it's going to, based on the input, the question that is asked, or the suggestion or recommendation, it's going to give back the best possible answer. But that's all it is. It's the best possible answer. Well, I do better than that for my clients because I spend time with my clients. I Like what we're doing right now, right? We're taping this podcast. I meet with my clients and I tape a conversation with them. Like what's their history? How did they get to where they are? And I listen for how they communicate. Some people speak in very short, abrupt sentences. And some people go, one sentence, if I were to type it out, would be one long paragraph. That's okay. That's their communication style. So artificial intelligence is just going to, it's basically going to be the same for everybody, right? And by the way, it's brand new, okay? This is not perfected technology. I mean, it's exciting technology. I think in certain areas of life, it will definitely be useful. I think that it will be helpful for specific tasks, but not for delivering unique branding strategy, at least not yet, maybe in 10, 20 years, that's what I'm speculating. And, you know, and if, when that happens, then I'll worry about my job. But in the meantime, no, I'm not that concerned because AI is just is generic, really, right? You ask a question and it will give you an answer that sounds good. Thing to be aware of is, and I don't know if you all are aware of this, but the thing with AI is there's a thing called AI hallucinations. And that's basically when it makes up 
Yeah, you're nodding your head, Jeff. Yes, you know yeah, what that is. Yeah. yeah. So it basically makes up an answer. Okay, well, right. so to my mind, if I were to ask AI a question or you know type in some words to get the best possible answer and it gives me back what's basically bogus information, it hasn't really saved me time, which is the whole point of it. Now, if I'm suspect, I'm going to take that information and I'm going to Google it to make sure it's true or not, right? So what has it done for me? It hasn't really saved me any time. I may as well just use brain power right. to come up with my own content. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you. It is new technology. It is going to continue to improve and there's certainly a place for it today and will be a place for it going forward in various aspects. And it may eliminate some components of what we do and maybe some components of what you do and others. I mean, along the way, I'm sure. But even today, if you put in the right prompts and that's always an if, right? Mm-hmm. And it spits out a document. Let's say you're asking it to describe your business, right? And give me a narrative of who, you know, what we do and who I am and all this stuff. You still have to edit the document. You still have to review, right. not necessarily just for correctness. And you're right, you have to look at it to make sure it's correct. And right. there's a story of a lawyer that we can sort of tell everybody yes. on here if you want. But but you also have to edit the document because it sounds like a computer in right. a lot of, you know, it doesn't right. come out clean. And you know, I know a mm-hmm. lot of the schools and a lot of everything, everyone's having trouble with this issue. And frankly, mm-hmm. lawyers and courts are having right, trouble sure. with this issue. And there's a f- mm-hmm. famous, right? There was a, a news article about a lawyer who submitted a brief, right? And every single case that he cited was okay. made up. Yeah. It was a hallucination. Yes, right. exactly. And that, what's that going to do for his reputation? Well, it, it's done. Not solidify it. I'd say it's done. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how you come back from, I'm not sure how you come back from that. But my guess is if that lawyer did that, my guess mm-hmm. is that lawyer's reputation probably wasn't the best to be given. Right. Right. If you're seeking those mm-hmm. kinds of shortcuts, you yeah. were always seeking you're those, always kinds, seeking of those right. kinds of shortcuts. So it was probably one of those like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, oh he or That's she would, would be the right one to do that. But I think it's a challenge going forward. I'm curious to see how it plays out. There's certainly a lot of dangers mm-hmm. that can come from mm-hmm. it. And I, hopefully they help protect against that early and often. But I agree with you. I, there's still going to be a place in time for people and their minds and how we think. And a lot of what you do is forward thinking, right? Don't tell me about you today. Tell me about what you want to be and what you want your business to be in five or 10 years. And let's write about how we can yeah. project that. Yeah. Right. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, the thing with AI is, you know, first of all, it is brand new, right? It's in its nascent stages. So there's some questions about the laws surrounding it. Um, obviously, if you I mean, if you have any wherewithal, you're not going to just start submitting bogus cases as, as authentic. But never mind that. That's an extreme example. <laughs> but you use AI. It will be a useful tool. And you know, let's just see how it plays out, right? Let the large language model perfect itself or become better, I should say. Let's worry about the ethics of it. Let's keep a, keep close tabs on it and how we use it and see how the laws surrounding its use play out, right? Sure. Um, I, and I think that eventually, yeah, it will have its place in society. I mean, here's a very small example, but Airbnb, WhatsApp, right? The, I think those came from the 2008 economic crisis, right? And those two things were born from that. So, you know, technology produces all kinds of good things. It's just, it has to be tried true, you know, tested for, for a period of time. And again, for what I do, I'm sure at some point it'll be useful in some small way. Yeah. To your point, Brett, you know, yes, I work with clients who are forward thinking. So not where they are now, but where they want to be. Okay. So I might use AI to generate ideas Mm -hmm. like marketing. I like just to put in a couple of keywords just to see what happens. 
I'm not saying I have done that. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. But if I did, that's probably how I would start. Right. Maybe, maybe, you know, I, but I, I would definitely, I'm in no hurry to use it because I want to see how everybody else, let everybody right. else test the waters first some more. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm going to continue to do what I do, which is offer helping my clients get their voice heard through the written word. And that has to be authentic. Like I said, I speak to my clients. I talk to them. I listen for how they communicate that has to parlay itself and put itself onto paper. So it sounds like if somebody's reading somebody's content on their website, it sounds like them. Right. So that when that client calls that professional, they already feel like I've already spoken to this person because what's on their website sounds like the person I'm talking to on the phone. And I don't think AI is going to provide that, at least not yet, maybe in a while, but right now I'm not worried. So the point is, if you want to communicate effectively, clearly, succinctly, accurately, and in your voice, then mm-hmm. contact Kimberly in Boston Edits. Don't try AI because it ain't going to work. Yes. Kimberly, thank this you. Was fun. Thank you. Kimberly. I like that yes. This yes, was fun. Yes. Thank Jeff, you read so us out, much. man. Read us out. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a five star review, and share the show with your friends and family. Sharing the show and leaving us a review makes us easier to be found. I didn't love the grammar mm-hmm. on that, but. And it helps us produce better content and have special guests on like Kimberly. Kimberly, thanks so much. Nelson. Thank you so much. This was lots of fun. Yeah. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.